a lot of people live in denial because they think that to be realistic is to be depressing. I'm Dr. Mike, host of Going There. It was the first song where I wrote about how I felt like my depression was killing me and I didn't want it. Going There breaks the stigma of mental health issues by having real honest conversations with your favorite musicians, including Alessia Cara, Lizzie Hale, Jewel, Jason Isbell, Gerard Way, Lauren Gray, Shamir, and Barty Strange. There was something there that was so raw where I was like, wow, I can't believe someone would say that. Let's go there on Going There with Dr. Mike, brought to you by Sound Mind Live and the Consequence Podcast Network every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Good for a Weekend, the podcast where two friends talk about Taylor Swift. I'm Allie Klebus. And I'm Cressy Cornis. And today we are going to talk about songs about Taylor. Yeah, we are flipping the narrative. We will be discussing songs that men have written about America's sweetheart herself. Because just like Taylor has said many times, many men make the same amount of work writing songs about their romantic relationships, just like she does, yet everyone focuses on what she's doing rather than what these men are doing. So yeah, no one gets mad at John Legend or Ed Sheeran for writing about love. Or John but, Mayer. God yeah. damn. Well, we're going to go. So many songs. Allie, we're going off on John Mayer today. When I find you, <laughs> it is over. Honestly, you know, like, I, I've been seeing a trend on TikTok where, like, Gen Zs hate John Mayer. And I haven't really, like, other than the Taylor side of things, I've never really understood it. Like, well, we're I... going to get to it. <laughs> Let's start things off. From the beginning, the very first song written about Taylor. We're going to go in chronological order. Okay. And fun fact, we invited this man to be on our podcast, and he has still not responded to my DM. So, nope. <laughs> Stephen Barker Lyles, we're waiting. We are waiting. Patiently. This is Stephen Barker Lyles. He is a member of a country music group called Love and Theft, and he is the subject of Taylor's song, Hey Stephen. The infamous. Allie, did you know that Steven was a real person? Yes, because I attended the Fearless tour and there was a video interview with him that played before Hey Steven was played at the tour. Really? What did it say? That's so exciting. Um, the most that I remember from it, and like obviously this is going to be extremely foggy. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, the most that I remember about it is like they brought him on screen and they're like, do you know this song was written about you? And he's like, yes. And they're like, how do you feel about it? And he was basically like, obviously it's very flattering. I did not know she felt that way at the time. Okay. So that's about the gist. <laughs> so Love and Theft, Steven's band, was Taylor's opening act in 2008. Fun fact. And Steven said in an interview with Taste of Country that he wrote a song about Taylor too, saying, quote, me and Taylor really hit it off and became really close when we were on tour together. We had a real emotional relationship. We talked on the phone a lot. She was really cool. One day she called me up and was like, hey, I wrote a song about you. I was like, dude, that's really funny because I just wrote a song about you last week. She was like, really? She asked how it went and I told her about some of the lines. Oh my God. I didn't tell her too much, but I told her about the main tag of the song. She was like, I want to hear it, end quote. So I love how honest they are with each other that Taylor just straight up called him and was like, I wrote you a song. He was like, me too. And they kind of told each other 
like the premise of their songs. I love like the openness of that. Yeah, I feel like until this point, not to like, I don't want to, you know, take away the lead of it, but like, I felt like his song to her was in response to Hey Steven. I certainly was not expecting that they wrote these simultaneously to each other. That's really cute. And it almost makes me feel like, not that they were dating, but like, doesn't that make you feel like they were a little bit more romantically involved than what you first anticipated? Yeah. I guess being on tour with someone, you get really close. Yeah. And they're already singing super like vulnerable songs already. So I don't know, maybe they're kind of used to it. Yeah. I mean, do we think they kissed? (laughs) I don't know. Why don't we get into the lyrics of the song? Okay, yes. So the song is called Try to Make It Anyway, and it contains the lyrics, quote, the curly hair and the cowboy boots, how could anyone get over you, end quote. So apparently Love and Theft was super busy recording new music and touring, so they never had time to officially record this particular song until 2011 when they officially released it. And in the music video on YouTube, in the actual description of it, like on their professional band YouTube page, it has the description, quote, this is a song I, Steven, wrote for Taylor back in 2008, right around the same time she wrote the song Hey Steven from her Fearless album for me, end quote. So he's like completely honest about this from the get-go. It's never been a secret who Steven is and that he wrote a song in response. So I like that they're both super open about it. And I think we should also point out that in the description, he doesn't say Taylor Swift. He just says Taylor. So to me, that sounds like he's not dropping her name to get more views, to like bump up in the algorithm or whatever. And the video only has a little over 100,000 views now. So he definitely wasn't using her for fame or anything, even though he did take some time to release this a few years later. Unlike a song that we're going to talk about a little bit later, that's very obviously dropping mm-hmm. her name. Um, so this is super wholesome, though. Super sweet. And yeah. let's let's wrap up our first song about Taylor with one final quote from Stephen himself. Unfortunately, Stephen isn't here today to read this quote for us. I'm kind of yeah. bummed about this still. But anyway, in the same interview with Taste of Country that we referred to earlier, he says, quote, This is actually one of my favorite songs that I've ever written. She's awesome. I really dig Taylor. I dig what her and her family have done with her career, and I dig the person she is. I hope she's flattered by it. As far as I know, none of the other dudes she's been hanging out with have ever written a song about her, end quote. (laughs) Okay, big words. But I mean, it's true. If he did write this back in 2008, he would be the first. I feel like he's like a one that got away you know yeah well he's married now like a sweet crush like almost like a good friend that's like kind of a crush too but like you just Mm -hmm. want the best for each other I feel like that's like who Steven is yeah it feels very like pure and wholesome like they both had a little crush on each other but they moved on and found other people and life goes on and everything's okay and there's no bitterness there's two happy songs yeah I love it I just think that they, like, that's, like, so healthy for her back then. (laughs) You know? And this being 2008, this is the first song written about her. But this all changes next year, 2009. (laughs) Allie, would you like to take it away with the two songs by the Jonas Brothers? 
I mean, I feel like it's only fitting considering Fearless Taylor's version just came out. So, you know, Joe Jonas is on the top of everyone's minds. Like no one thought that they'd be thinking about Taylor and Joe Jonas in 2021, but here we are, you know? I know. So Allie, why don't we talk about our feelings on the Jonas Brothers? Were you a big fan? (laughs) I was a big fan of Nick Jonas. Okay. I definitely have a homemade video of me and BFF Sam not to be confused with BF Sam, BFF Sam. <laughs> Lady Sam. Lady Sam. We definitely have a video where we dressed up and recorded us singing to Burning Up by Jonas Brothers. Nice. Yeah, I have a lot of memories of listening to them by the pool. I think they were my second CD ever. Their okay. album, Lying, Divines, and Trying Times. Um, you said you were a knit girl. I'm just going to say for the record here now, I was in love with Joe Jonas. His favorite color was purple, so my favorite color was purple. (laughs) His favorite song was Falling in Love at the Coffee Shop by Landon Pig, so my favorite song was Falling in Love at the Coffee Shop. Uh, I've seen him twice. I have an autographed photo of him uh, that my mom got for me, so shout out Shannon. (laughs) I still love him. Yeah, that's really all I have to say about Joe Jonas. I was a huge fan of the Jonas Brothers. I gotta be honest, I don't get it. He was so punk, you know, like... Because I'm punk rock, Allie. You are not punk rock, (laughs) (laughs) Me and my Tiger Meat magazine reading what Joe likes and be like, ooh, I like those things too. Actually, so cute. I might take that back because you showed me a picture of you from like freshman year of high school once where you had like pretty intense side bangs. Yeah, I had like the thick streaks in my hair. And <laughs> yeah, I was punk rock, okay? Yeah, okay. Mainstream punk, yeah. I just connected those <laughs> dots and I see it a little bit further now. I've always been a little edgy. <laughs> I okay, know. but I feel like it was either Joe or Nick, pretty 50-50. It's a... So it kind of, it makes sense that you and I have have different favorite brothers, but uh, what a time to be alive. Justice for Kevin. Wait, I think the only other time we've really like had this type of discrepancy was when I said that someone's either an Orlando Bloom person or a Captain Jack Sparrow person, but I think we both agreed on that one. We both said Orlando Bloom, I think. Okay. Legolas. Duh. Yeah. But like. Nick versus Joe, I feel like, is, like, kind of the conflict of the century, you know? Yeah, that's, like, such a Virgo thing to, like, Nick and such a Leo thing for me to, like, Joe. Those yeah, are I mean, Zodiac Joe signs is, listeners. <laughs> Joe has, like, way more Leo energy than Nick, for sure. Like, Nick is way more, like, quiet to himself. The sensitive one. The sensitive one. Um, I personally always really liked the fact that he had diabetes. My sister had diabetes or still has it, you know? So like, mm-hmm. I feel like the fact that he had diabetes and he was like, you know, just out there doing it. Like, I oh, was yeah, just it was like, huge. I mean, like, what a important eye, like, yeah. icon, you know? We were all like, so worried about him. I know. And I was just like, and I think that just like made my love for him just like cut mm-hmm. so much deeper, you know? Yeah. And then his curly hair. But I feel yeah. like I always like a little bit of a quiet king, you know? <laughs> okay. Well, now they're both married, unfortunately. But I, I will say when Joe and Taylor broke up, I was like, yeah, more for me. <laughs> oh my God, you're competing with Taylor? <laughs> In my dreams. 
I'm telling you, I loved him. But let's let's get into what Joe did. Yes. So from the 2009 Jonas Brothers album, Lines, Vines, and Trying Times, we have not one, but two songs that are probably about Taylor. As we all know, Taylor has written many songs about her relationship with Joe, including Forever and Always, Mr. Perfectly Fine, an anthem, Last Kiss, and Better Than Revenge. So it kind of like feels fitting that Joe would write some songs in response. Let's start with Much Better, which contains the lyrics, quote, I got a rep for breaking hearts. Now I'm done with superstars and all the tears on her guitar. And Joe, Joe, come on. First of all, tears on my guitar is not even about you. Like at least you use Mm -hmm. a song that's about you, you know? Um, I mean, but I feel like that's like kind of name dropping too. Like you're going to use like her first most popular song i mean i would say like you know obviously she came out with tim mcgraw first but like teardrops on my guitar is like the one that i feel like most people resonate with Mm -hmm. for her like first song and this is the opening of the song it starts (laughs) with these three lines i know so totally trying to hook you in i will say for anyone who hasn't listened to this song it's really good it's very (laughs) disco i'm just gonna say that Carry on, Ellie. I mean, I'm never going to shit on a Jonas Brothers song. No. I I love the Jonas Brothers. But, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, they were, like, I've been thinking about this a lot, too, because, you know, obviously, Nick Jonas dated Miley Cyrus, then dated Selena Gomez, and then Joe dated Taylor, broke Taylor's heart. They seem like such good boys. They were, like, low-key Disney Channel fuckboys. Yeah, yeah, with their little chastity rings or whatever, too. Like, they remember those? Stirred up drama. Mm-hmm. There was a whole, like, Miley and Mandy versus Demi and Selena, too. Yes. And I was watching, I've been watching a lot of, like, behind-the-scenes, like, fearless videos lately. And, like, there was a video where they were at the CMA Awards, and it was Miley and Taylor, and it was backstage, and Miley's mom, Tish, was sitting next to Andrea Swift, and it really looked like, you know, like, they were kind of, like, stage moms together, and then, like, Miley and Taylor were, like, together, and I, like, it really got me thinking about how when Selena and Taylor became good friends, maybe that's why Miley and Taylor never stayed good friends. Like, I don't know, but at one point, Taylor was, like, friends with Miley Cyrus during the Hannah Montana mm-hmm. craziness which at the time Miley Cyrus was probably way more famous than Taylor at that time Disney Channel just doesn't make drama like it used to I know like those were the days okay. like I miss like is it like J14 or whatever and Tiger Beat and all those little magazines yeah. I would always get those at Books a Million J14 and catch myself up on the drama yeah, J14 was, like, definitely my life. But <laughs> the Taylor reference here is very obvious. Tears on her guitar, teardrops on my guitar. On the same album, there's another song that has Taylor references called Paranoid. And this one, honestly, all the Jonas Brothers were in 
famous relationships and the Nick, Selena, Miley drama. So it could all be about anyone. But the line that we're going to reference here for the episode is, quote, that's why my ex is still my ex. I never trust a word she says. I'm running all the background checks and she's freaking out, end quote. And that's in their song, Paranoid. The line about her freaking out could be about writing like a ton of songs. I mean, it could be about her going on Ellen and holding up the Joe Jonas Barbie Freaking doll. out, blasting and him on Taylor Swift live Barbie television <laughs> multiple times. Live like, television, multiple shout outs to Joe. I, I mean, honestly, it's Petty Taylor, you know, like Petty Taylor. Mm-hmm was fearless taylor mr perfectly fine like it's kind of heartbreaking because like we've all had those petty moments that are cringy and like you never want anyone to remember mm-hmm. for instance i remember my first breakup i tweeted <laughs> because red came out i tweeted we are never ever getting back together. oh no <laughs> i love it oh which is pretty bad but then like Taylor has to live with the fact that she literally put these Barbies next to each other <laughs> on television <laughs> and said that the Joe Jonas Barbie broke up with the Taylor Barbie over a 15 second phone call. But I don't Gotta know. Gotta love Savage Taylor. Savage Taylor. So to finish the Joe Jonas section, we have got to mention what Joe said to the media about Taylor Swift. And it's really funny to look back on it now because obviously they're very cool with each other now. Yeah. Dated Gigi Hadid. Obviously Taylor really likes Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas being married. You know, she knitted something for their child and so forth. But this was not the case in 2013. In an interview with Sirius XM, Joe was asked about Taylor and he said, quote, I'm happy for Taylor. She's an incredible musician and you can see her songwriting skills are really good. But yeah, the girl likes to date. End quote. Joe. (laughs) Joe, how many women did we just list that you have definitely slept with? (laughs) Fuck you, Joe. Not that like, I mean, obviously no bad blood now, but like. Fighting words. I'm mad. (laughs) The girl likes to date. Mm-hmm. My blood is boiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he, this was a few years after they dated too. So it was pretty petty of him. Even though okay. he, he was asked about it, it was brought up, but he could have finished it with her songwriting skills are really good. He didn't have to say, but yeah, the girl likes to date. That was unnecessary, Joe. Joseph. Okay. Only for the devil's advocate side, he was young. If someone brought up my ex to me in a scenario that I wasn't expecting. How old was Joe Jonas in 2013? 24 years old, okay? Okay, that's my age That's how old you are. That's how old I almost am. And we would not do that. (laughs) No, okay. Joe Jonas, fuck you. I tried. (laughs) tried We still at least love you, though. I mean, I mean... I, you know, everyone makes mistakes. Also, people say what you kind of pause at the age that you get famous. I'm pretty sure that came mm-hmm. from Taylor herself. Like, in terms of certain understandings about things, mm-hmm. you know, like you kind of pause at the age you get famous. 
And 2013 was a very different time on how we talked about women in general, you know? Oh, but it's just it was a so different time. critical. I know. Yeah. He does the same thing. And he dates within friend groups. Like, come on. He dated half the Disney Channel cast <laughs> of all the shows. While wearing his little uh, chastity. Is it is it called a chastity ring? I don't yeah, know. Okay. okay, that's what I thought. I mean, they took them off. I loved when Sucker came out, when they all reunited and they said, we're the Jonas Brothers, but we have sex now. That's so cringy. But not as cringy as what are we are talking about next, Ali. No. Are you ready for this? I am cringing before we even get started. Taylor Swift, if you are listening, now is the time to skip ahead five to ten minutes because this is going to bring up some things and you're going to want to like, I don't know, take a, a cold shower or something and like, just like, ah, like, it's the, I can't, I, I can't listen to this song, Allie. Like I tried to for this episode and I just, I can't do it. It's so cringy. I couldn't find it until I asked you to share it with me. Like I was like, I like, I was just like, I cannot find this anywhere. I was looking up different versions. As of God intended song. for no one to find this. It's so bad. Okay, so let's say what we're talking about. In 2010, Taylor Swift released an album called Speak Now. And on that album is a song called Enchanted, which led to two different perfumes, Wonderstruck and Enchanted Wonderstruck. I had both. Same. I still have both. It's frequently a fan favorite song that is really the epitome of the dreaminess of the album Speak Now. In fact, Taylor actually wanted to name the album Enchanted. Scott Borchetta said in an interview, quote, we were at lunch and she had played me a bunch of the new songs. I looked at her and I'm like, Taylor, this record isn't about fairy tales and high school anymore. That's not where you're at. I don't think this record should be called Enchanted, end quote. Fuck you, Scott Borchetta. I know. And according to the interview, Taylor then excused herself from the table and came back with Speak Now as the title. But we aren't here to talk about Speak Now or Enchanted by Taylor Swift. We are here to talk about Enchanted by Adam Young. The guy from Owl City. Oh, no. Bring your memory. Yes. Uh, fireflies. Yes. You would not believe your eyes if 10,000 Fireflies, that song. Yes. I need to I listened to that song a lot, and now I'm regretting it. I think the best way to just explain all of this is to read a blog post from him himself announcing the song. Um, he announced the song on February 14th, 2011. Valentine's Day. Yikes. So this Poor is dude. this is kind of long, but it, it it explains it. So here we go. Okay. Are you ready, Allie? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna cringe very hard and probably not get any sleep tonight because of this, but whatever. And you're gonna wake up at like 3 a.m. in a cold sweat, like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I'm young enchanted. It's it's gonna remind me of how a high school crush once told me that I ran like a gazelle. So. Oh lordy! All right, here we go. Quote. Uh, wait, backing up. He. This is. I'm reading this verbatim. He. Uh, wrote this like in the flowery language and everything. I'm not embellishing. This is an exact quote, copy pasted from his blog. Okay. Uh oh. Quote. One blustery evening last October. I waited impatiently until the clock toiled midnight and then promptly bought Taylor Swift's new record on iTunes. I played it in the kitchen. I played it in the car. I played it at the studio. I played it on flights to Japan and back. I just couldn't keep away from it. Speak Now was the indisputable leader of my top five record list of 2010. 
which is slightly ironic because the other four albums were abstract, experimental, post-rock, ambient works. I always loved decoding the sneaky secret messages hidden in Taylor's written lyrics. So naturally, the day Speak Now came out, I played the whole thing from top to bottom as I added up the capital letters per each song's set of lyrics. As track 8 came to a close and the album switched over to track 9, a breathtaking song called Enchanted and one of my favorites on the entire record, something began to feel curiously familiar. Oh god. I couldn't put my finger on it. Why did the song feel so personal? Why was it ringing a bell? Perhaps it was merely the word wonderstruck that indeed struck a sweet chord. But before the second chorus hit, I'd already added up the letters. A. D. A. And then it hit me like a freight train. I didn't even need to find that last letter M. A colorful swirl of memories flashed before my eyes as it all added up. My jaw hit the floor. Cressy butting in, it spelled out his name, Adam, meaning the song was about him. That was her secret message for the song Enchanted. Oh, no. Continuing, quote, The track is absolutely gorgeous, and I'm so tremendously honored that Taylor would write such an elegant song and thereby offer a gracious nod in my direction. Needless to say, I was lost for words and utterly smitten. I couldn't stop smiling. I figured such an eloquent gesture should be reciprocated by the most polite, heartfelt, and respectful response I could possibly muster. It's no secret that I'm a bit shy, so naturally music was the most articulate way of attempting such a sincere endeavor. How does one respond to such a personal outpouring of emotion and sentiment? I tossed and turned over that one. They say timing is everything, and that brings us to now. Today is Valentine's Day. And thus... Here is my reply. And then it's the link to the YouTube. And he continues, quote, Dearest Taylor, I'll be the first to, <laughs> Allie has her hand over her mouth I right now. <laughs> I, I listened to the song in preparation. I had never heard this blog post and I'm literally dying inside. <laughs> like my body, my inner soul is crawling out of my body. Yeah. And said, this is too much. I'm going to go yeah. like, bury myself in a hole right now we're almost at the end of the blog post quote dearest taylor i'll be the first to admit i'm a rather shy boy and since music is the most eloquent form of communication i can muster i decided to record something for you as sort of a reply to the breathtaking song on your current record this is what i wanted so badly to tell you in person but could never quite put into words everything about you is beautiful You're an immensely charming girl with a wonderful heart and more grace and elegance than I know how to describe. You are a true princess from a dreamy fairy tale, a modern Cinderella. I'm terribly sorry it's taken me such a long time to reply, but I figured Valentine's Day was the perfect time to write this note to you and simply say, I was enchanted to meet you too. Love, Adam. End quote. (laughs) Ali's jaw is on the floor right now. I hate this so much because despite the already cringy blog post, the song is essentially her lyrics. Yeah, he didn't do anything. He didn't do a single thing. Let's explain. So the song is essentially the exact lyrics of Taylor's Enchanted, but flipped to be from his perspective. Like even the beginning of the song is the same. 
quote, yeah. there I was again tonight, forcing laughter, faking smiles, same old tired, lonely place, walls of insincerity, blah, blah, blah. It's the same song. Zero creativity needed. No, he sang her song back to her. But he would occasionally throw in Taylor's name, I guess, to make it his own. For example, quote, all I can say is it was enchanting to meet you. Oh, Taylor, I was enchanted to meet you too. And the song ends with, quote, and I just wish you knew, Taylor, I was so in love with you, end quote. This is, like, I feel this like... This is my worst nightmare. <laughs> I feel like this is, like, a movie of, like, exactly what you don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. And then Taylor has to turn around and be this, like, heartless person and be like, by the way, dude, not about you. It's just a song. This reminds me of, okay, I don't remember the writer's name. I think he was a writer for the New York Times. And he and Natalie Portman were going to publish a book of their emails back and forth to each other. It was very pseudo-intellectual, like, honestly, just rich people bullshit talking, like, about philosophy and stuff. And they were going to make a book. And the dude, I guess, read between the lines and thought that Natalie Portman was flirting with him. And oh, he God. left his wife for Natalie Portman and I guess emailed her, called her and told her. And she was like, uh, what, dude? We were just emailing. Like, this is for oh, a book no. we were writing. You'll have oh, to Google no. it. I'll, I'll, um, I'll find a link to an article about it and I'll put it in the show notes since I'm not remembering the guy's name. But that's what this reminds me of, of someone just stewing over something too much, you yeah. know? Well, and we've, I feel like we've all been there, you know, like yeah. people who think you're being that, like, you know, like if you're a nice person and you're like, just trying to make friends with someone, whether, you know, you're trying to make friends with a guy, a girl, everyone's been in the position of like, is this person misinterpreting my niceness wrong? Mm-hmm. And then you're a famous person and people are seriously interpreting your niceness wrong. Well, it is a it is a beautifully very romantic song that Taylor did pen and sing. So I mean, I kind of get it, but and he could have he he could have done this a lot differently instead of this like big public display of affection, like big public romantic things. They never work like there's the person thinks they're gonna work. I just don't think we should do this as a society anymore. And who's to say this song isn't about this guy? I mean, personally, I don't think so. But like, well, it she did put his name as a secret like message. Okay. So it is about him and like the timeline adds up. It was written after they met this one time. They did email each other for a few times. I I think the subject line of their emails was wonderstruck or something. Like it it's about him. For sure. Oh, you think for sure? Like, no question. Yeah, I mean, she put his name as the secret message. Uh, If he's going to do such a public outpour, you know, like, trying to reciprocate the song, add your own lyrics, dude. At least to, like, a couple Uh of the choruses. Yeah. And, like, the amount of times that he said Taylor, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like he should have consulted her first. Maybe he did. We don't know. But, like, the amount of times it said Taylor in it, like, it mm-hmm. was a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, Taylor has said one of the best things about her songwriting is, like, 
something that she can hold is like she knows who it's written about and no one else mm-hmm. does and then here this guy goes singing the exact same song back to her saying her name over and over again it's like dude chill so let's let's talk about where we are today what happened after this okay in a 2015 interview adam said i haven't heard back yet but it was fun and was kind of an a b piece that went together end quote it was just an a piece a b like no no, i get it but i'm saying like his was a b maybe a d but like hers was an a you know it was awkward that it was a for awkward and b for bad idea (laughs) (laughs) all around just leave it alone (sighs) okay crunchiness is over let's move on to john mayer (sighs) ali what do you think of john mayer Okay, this is hard for me because I think, okay, so I listened to Jessica Simpson's audiobook. Let's talk about when he broke up with her via email before she performed the Dolly Parton tribute. I know. It makes me so mad. I think about it once a day. I... I'm obviously, like, very tainted by him, like, especially after listening to Jessica Simpson. And at one mm-hmm. point in the book, it's really unclear whether she's talking about Taylor or not, but she mentions at one point, like, where they were together, and then, like, a tabloid came out about him and another very famous young performer, which I feel like automatically makes me think of Taylor, but, you know, mm-hmm. you really have no clue. I think after listening to Jessica Simpson's audiobook about John Mayer and like hearing the deviancy and like their relationship and like the way that he said that she was like sexual kryptonite or like he used a different napalm. What was it? Napalm. Yes. Yeah. Like he's not a great person. Like, and then like it, it definitely like after listening to Jessica Simpson's book, it made me view Dear John even worse than mm-hmm. I did before, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. my view of him. Y'all, this is a man who has called his dick a white supremacist. What? He called his, when asked if he would sleep with black women, in an interview, he said, my dick is sort of like a, a white supremacist. That is- He's also said the N-word in interviews. He is what? not a great person. Yeah, I'll link to all of these. Art- he has, it was the same year he had a, a Playboy interview and a Rolling Stone interview. And in both of those, he just, I guess, decided to not, I, I don't know, function like a normal human being. <laughs> Are you serious? He's yes, look them up. Those two interviews, same year. And then he kind of went dark for a while, as he should. I Because mean, I like his music, but it's, Sometimes it's really hard to separate the artist from the art because he is such a shitty, like a fundamentally trash person who manipulates and emotionally abuses his romantic partners and like talks about it too, you know? I am, I'm sorry. I just had no idea the racial things. I'll look at the exact quote so we can give everyone some context. Um, John Mayer, Dick white supremacist that's a tough word to spell john mayer apologizes after using n-word in playboy interview 
Second, second article that came up, must read of the day, John Mayer's penis is racist. Which one should I click? I, I don't even want to answer that. I'll do the first one. Okay, um, John Mayer said in the Playboy interview, someone asked me the other day, what does it feel like now to have a hood pass? And by the way, it's sort of a contradiction in words, because if you really had a hood pass, you could call it N word pass with the R, by the way, in case you're wondering, with, with the R. And then let's see, where is, where is the white? Okay, here it is. Uh, the interviewer then asks, do black women throw themselves at you? And John responds, I don't think I open myself to it. My dick is sort of like a white supremacist. I've got a Benetton heart and a fucking David Duke cock. I'm going to start dating separately from my dick, end quote. I don't know what Benetton heart means. So if y'all know, let me know. I'm, I don't think I'm cultured enough to get that. But yeah, he says he's got a Benetton heart and a fucking David Duke cock. That's a direct quote. Are you even speaking English right now? <laughs> like, I know. So like, like, I don't know what you're saying. Horrible interview using the hard R saying, yeah. He's not a good person, okay? He's just not. I do like his music, but damn, is he a bastard. John Mayer, when I find you. If y'all follow me on Twitter, you know I've been blasting John Mayer lately. I've just been all riled up. I recently uh, listened to Jessica Simpson's book too and got me all sorts of riled up. He's horrible. He's a horrible person. Shall we talk about Paper Doll? Yes, and for everyone listening, I am currently pasting the article that I just read a few quotes from in our sources that will be on our website if you want to read it for yourself. So. <laughs> I don't think we should read any more of it. So I think you should know that my laughter right now is just nervous laughter. I'm definitely not laughing at the gravity of the situation. Definitely did not mean to use yeah. gravity because that's a song. Yeah. Nothing, like, and it's a good know. song. Like, damn. I know. And, like, he's an Atlanta artist. It's like, damn, John. Like, we're all rooting for you, and you just suck so hard. But anyway, yeah. I even I have the song Paper Doll, like, saved on my Spotify. Like, I like the song Paper Doll, but duh. Yeah. I just want to punch him in the face. So, Paper Doll by John Mayer is a 2013 song. And it is featured on his Paradise Valley album. And it's loaded with Taylor Swift references. But before we get into those, we need to back up to his response to Taylor's song about him, Dear John. Whew. Um, where do we start? Okay, I want to start with the girl in the dress wrote you a song because in the song paper doll, he talks about a lot of dresses and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what, what happened behind the line with them and dresses and things like that. But in dear John Taylor says the girl in a dress wrote you a song. Basically within the song, dear John, if you're a Taylor fan, you probably already know the gist, but it's like, don't you think 19 was too young to mess with the girl who cried all the way home. I, I messed up the whole lyric. Don't you think 19's too young to be messed and the girl in the dress cried Cry the, the whole, whole way home? Wait. Dear John. Sorry, I won't sing. 
I need to mention my favorite lyric from the song, Dear John. Let's hear it. I'm shining like fireworks over your sad, empty town. <laughs> Ooh, that's another thing I'm going to link in our sources on our website. Taylor's live performance of Dear John. When she sings that line, fireworks go off behind her. It's yeah. it's a really good song that just really breaks down how manipulative this man is. Like She's like walking on eggshells. Every day is just like a different little game to this guy. He, what version am I going to get of you on the phone tonight? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, it's a song really painting a picture of a very manipulative relationship with someone who is emotionally abusive. And in the chorus, I think it kind of repeats over and over. Like, I should have known. I should have known. And then it ends with, you should have known. And I just love the way she flips it. Because, like, he should have fucking known. Taylor today, Taylor Swift today, right right fucking now, is not as old as how old John Mayer was when he dated her. Fun fact. And, you know, a lot of times when you're younger, you don't really understand the implications of what that means until you are older. And then you Mm -hmm. think, oh, someone my age? She's not even as old as he was when they dated. That's so fucking disgusting. He was in, he was 33 and she was 19. If you are a 19-year-old and a man in his 30s is talking to you, I promise you it's not going to end well. No. And the power dynamic between that. The power imbalance. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. In a 2012 interview with Rolling Stone, John Mayer said that he was, quote, really humiliated, end quote, by the song. He continues and says, quote, it made me feel terrible because I didn't deserve it. I'm pretty good at taking accountability now, and I never did anything to deserve that. It was a really lousy thing for her to do, end quote. Fuck ah! <laughs> Do you know what that reminds me of when Kanye West said on Jay Leno, I like to be the apologizer to the person? Yeah. Like- That's him saying, I'm pretty good at taking accountability now. No, you fucking aren't. This makes me want to remove all of his songs from my Spotify playlist. It's just so hard to separate the art from the artist. You know, I just, I don't know if I can do it. And he's saying like, I can take accountability now. And then in the same. Clearly not. In the same breath, he's not taking accountability. Yeah. When asked about the song's line, quote, don't you think I was too young to be messed with? End quote. John replied, quote, I don't want to go into that, end quote. Of course not, because there's no excuse for dating a teenager. 33, 19. He then takes a dig at Taylor's songwriting skills. John Mayer, when I fucking find you. (laughs) Same quote. I will say as a songwriter that I think it's kind of cheap songwriting. I know she's the biggest thing in the world, and I'm not trying to sink anybody's ship. But I think it's abusing your talent to rub your hands together and go, wait till he gets a load of this. That's bullshit. End quote. Fuck you, Sean Mayer. I hate you so much. You are not allowed back in Atlanta. He, obviously- I am setting a law today. John Mayer will not be allowed back in the city of Atlanta. Maybe that's why he lives in that like sad empty town in Montana or whatever. Because yeah. like people straight up don't like him. No. Maybe people are just like, yeah, 
go to that little town, no people around you. But let's talk about the John Mayer song now, the 2013 song by John Mayer called Paper Doll. The premise of the song is about a girl basically trying on a bunch of different outfits like a paper doll, sort of like trying on different personalities. Basically, someone who's very vain and in tune with their appearance. Let's share a couple lyrics. Quote, paper doll, come try it on. Step out of that black chiffon. Here's a dress of gold and blue. Sure was fun being good to you. This one we made just for fall and winter runs a bit too small. This mint green is new for spring. My love didn't cost a thing. End quote. And all these looks John describes, you can easily find Taylor in them from the time period she was dating John Mayer. But the most telling lyrics are, quote, you're like 22 girls in one and none of them know what they're running from, end quote. So, obviously, 22 is a nod to Taylor's song, 22, from her Red album. The last super telling lyric is when John sings, quote, someone's going to paint you another sky, end quote. Because in Dear John, Taylor says, quote, you paint me a blue sky and go back and turn it to rain, end quote. I feel like I feel manipulated just by reading his interviews. Like, I feel like my brain is being manipulated and turned and, like, skewed. And I feel like if that's happening from an interview that happened seven, eight years ago now, can you imagine being in a relationship with that person and how much they would skew your brain? Like, the definition of a toxic person. The way... A narcissist. Yeah, I feel like narcissist is probably the best word. And it's just scary. I mean, I've seen friends and relationships with narcissists. I've known narcissists. And then seeing it at this level and seeing him try and put that in interviews. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. traumatic. And in the lyrics, sure was fun being good to you. My love didn't cost a thing. Like, John Mayer, I don't think you have the capability to, to love at all. Yeah. I I just don't. And I don't think that he realizes that his love is so toxic. He needs therapy. Yeah. And an apology tour. (laughs) Honestly. I mean, he dated other famous people. I mean, he dated Katy Perry. Jessica Simpson. Taylor Swift. I don't think we've ever heard any positive thing any of his ex-lovers have had to say about him you know I don't think there's been a single positive account yeah do we think that Katy Perry and John Mayer's relationship had anything to do with Taylor and Katie's feud um I'm sure it didn't help yeah never gonna help but anyways should we especially knowing just how toxic and manipulative John is, I bet Taylor was also thinking that, you know, that John is probably, like, talking shit about her to Katie. Yeah. You know, just, like, a lot of assumptions. True. Which is never good. Late night overthinking, Mm -hmm. you know. I could totally see that. Shall we move on to one of her better exes? (laughs) Yes. An unproblematic king. Yes. 
Let's talk about One Direction Song Perfect from the 2015 album Made in the AM. And obviously here we are going to be talking about Harry Styles in this little section. He and Taylor dated for a little while. And why don't we just start with our thoughts on One Direction in general. Ali, did you ever listen to One Direction? I was not a big One Directioner. However, mm-hmm. I'm a huge Harry Stylers sir mm-hmm. now. Gotcha. Yeah, I was never into One Direction, but when Made in the AM came out, one of my friends, I believe it was MK, friend of the pod, you may remember her as the um, time Camilla Cabello culture curly sue, that MK. (laughs) Uh, I think MK told me to listen to it when it came out, so I did. I remember listening to it on the Tiger Transit in Auburn on a fall morning and I was like this is a good this is a good album like I really liked it I don't know any of their other albums but it's actually a good album if you guys haven't listened to Made in the AM yet give it a it's a it's a good record it's good I I stand for it so perfect seems to be a pretty clear response to Taylor's songs about Harry specifically 1989 stuff yeah and in fact the music video for perfect starts with a camera focusing on a Polaroid and Polaroids are pretty much synonymous with 1989 and that entire Taylor era. Plus mm. the Out of the Woods lyric, you took a Polaroid of us. Yeah. So let's go through some of the lyrics. Quote, I might never be your knight in shining armor. I might never be the one you take home to mother. I might never be the one who brings you flowers, but I can be be the one tonight. End quote. So this part kind of makes me think of Taylor, which you might not hear on the surface, but to me, I'm hearing... You write songs about fairy tales and like knights in shining armor and these magical enchanting relationships. I can't be that person. Yeah. White horse. Like I can't be that person. But like I I can I can try or I can be be the one tonight. Yeah. Another part of the song that I think could be related to Taylor is quote, but if you like causing trouble up in hotel rooms, and if you like having secret little rendezvous. If you like to do the things you know that we shouldn't do, baby, I'm perfect, baby, I'm perfect for you. If you like late night driving with the windows down, if you like going places we can't even pronounce, end quote. I mean, it goes on. It's kind of, you see where it's going. Uh, yeah. Taylor's song style starts with midnight, you come and pick me up, no headlights. A long drive could end in burning flames or paradise. And I Know Places is an entire song about secret little rendezvous, like just True. like the song says. And then there's the most obvious lyrics in the song and if you like cameras flashing every time you go out oh yeah if you're looking for someone to write your breakup songs about end quote that is how you fucking do it (laughs) shout out to harry styles i know no yeah girl likes to date or she's crazy i'm doing background checks now or uh, insert literally anything john mayer has ever said in his entire life yeah that is how it's done shout out harry styles i'm smitten for harry right now yes aren't we all we gotta listen to fine line after this so james corden says to harry quote i'm reading the lyrics to perfect and i happen upon a line in the song and it says and if you're looking for someone to write your breakup songs about baby i'm perfect now listen i don't want to have any bad blood about this if you don't (laughs) want to talk about this we can shake it off Who's the song about? And oh my god. Harry doesn't answer. He just laughs. And the audience goes kind of crazy. Because obviously yeah. it's about Taylor. And he's not denying it. Um, he does, however, answer 
this question a bit more in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, saying, quote, obviously you write a lot of stuff from personal experience, but it doesn't necessarily have to be so literal. People can interpret a lot of different things in different ways. And I'm not going to tell someone it's not about what they think it's about, because I think the whole point is it's about whatever it means to you, end quote. That is how it's done. Harry Styles <laughs> is a fucking king. Not I... name dropping her, like, the respect there. I feel like I could commit myself to Harry Styles without <laughs> ever meeting him. <laughs> like, this is so much better than whatever horseshit John Mayer had to say. Yeah. You know? it, well, even Joe Jonas. And we need to we need to bring up the elephant in the room. Taylor, she kind of pulled a Joe Jonas. Uh, when they when Harry and Taylor broke up, let's uh, remember the Grammys performance mm. when she's saying we are never ever getting back together and gets to the part where it's like, and he calls me up and he's like, I still love you, and she said it in a fucking British accent <laughs> while Harry Styles is in the audience, and Harry like still is being so respectful and awesome. I love Harry. Shout I'm like a little distracted right now thinking about his most recent Grammys performance. <laughs> and when he and Taylor chatted, that was such a nice moment. I, uh, I just, I'm mostly thinking about his body rolls in that leather suit. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's not forget the time. I've definitely shared this on the podcast before. I almost missed a stop on the Marta, the train in Atlanta because I was imagining how I would act if I met Harry Styles. <laughs> like the doors were closing and I was like, fuck, this is my style. I gotta go to work because I was I so like in a trance. I feel like him. he has like every girl smitten, you know, yeah. like anyone who like kind of what subscribes to the Harry Styles train. Like I literally feel smitten over him. Yeah. Like <laughs> he is so adorable i can't and to close this episode some also speculate that harry's song ever since new york from his first solo album could be about taylor as well because the title is similar to taylor's song welcome to new york yeah. uh, to me the song is kind of vague i could read some lyrics but and it's to me it's one of those songs that i think could be based off of several experiences i would listen to it and think for yourself to me the yeah. only references to taylor are just the words new york yeah you know taylor doesn't own the city of new york <laughs> she does not own new york yet. yeah so i i'm really glad that we finished things off with harry i know we're getting riled like, up with the others rather than like ending it with fuck you john mayer <laughs> <laughs> you toxic ass we ended it with we love you harry well that being said thank you for tuning in to tonight's episode yes we hope you guys liked it please leave us a review if you haven't already they really help a lot yes please do and if you aren't already please follow us on instagram or twitter our handle is at gfa weekend that's pretty much how you can find us everywhere so yeah we also have a subreddit and a discord if you want to chat about this episode or about anything taylor related in general our discord is poppin all of these things will be on our show notes and check out our website, gfaweekend.com, for all of the sources and everything mentioned in this episode. If you want to listen to the Hey Steven song uh, or any of the Jonas Brothers songs, the interview 
Joe had with Sirius XM. If you want to cringe to Enchanted by Adam Young or read the blog post <laughs> or his interview, or if you want to read a John Mayer and Rolling Stone or Playboy and uh, want to fight him, that will be there too. Yes. It's all there. So check out gfaweekend.com for any sources for this episode. Yes. And with that being said, see y'all next time. G-Fall out. Out.